Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell, and I'm joined, as always, by Randall Carlisle. Randall, you have a wonderful guest today who is going to tell her story and talk a little bit about Odyssey House. Well, Odyssey House has tons of clients, and we do a whole bunch of things like we've talked about before, but this lady keeps the administration building running. So <laughs> what's your official title? It's Kim Flanders is, is who it is. Executive your, assistant. Your official title is? Executive assistant. Executive assistant, plus, which means what? What, I, do you, what do you do? With, I mean, I, I see you every I day. I manage but. our CEO, Adam Cohen, and our COO, Christina Zaida. So okay. I am their assistant. Oh, no, no, no. I love the way you just said that. I manage that. <laughs> and that every, every every assistant really, you manage up where you keep your bosses in line. She does. If we want to get in to see the CEO or something, you go through Kim. So she schedules, schedules everything. Do you manage Randall at all? No. Because I've heard... Every, I don't need managing. I've heard every news director... I schedule of every, some stuff for him, but okay. I don't manage him. <laughs> every news director who he worked for always said managing Randall was the hard part. You know, I can't even imagine that. Yes, I'm so peaceful now that mm-hmm. I'm sober. <laughs> should have seen me before. <laughs> Kim not only does that, but she works part-time in the evenings supervising some of our houses. So, And that entails what? So on once a week, I work at our adolescent facility. I teach the kids how to cook um, and just kind of help give back to them, to that community. It, it's one of the most amazing communities we have is our kids, is our teenagers, trying to get their lives back on track so that they can go out and, and be productive adults. And then I also work at our uh, Mill Creek facility three nights a week. And, and sometimes there are more kids than the kids are. Well, so the adolescents <laughs> act like troubled teenagers, like they are. Our adults act like troubled teenagers, but they're not. So they don't act nearly as right. So you'll work a full-day job managing 13 different operations for Odyssey House and then give back more at night. Four nights a week. So for people who are watching who may have a loved one who's in addicted or has some challenges and maybe who's never seen a TV show about this here in Salt Lake, we have a tremendous amount of people who are impacted by addiction. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of the people you've seen and helped through Odyssey House? <laughs> I'm put you on the so, spot here. <laughs> there are so many stories. Th- there's, there's a lot of stories. I have seen um, the success stories, the people that struggle and come back and then are able to you know graduate and are still today successful those I mean give you so much pride and and then the ones that that don't make it you know that aren't ready yet and that don't ever make it back those are those are the tragedies of this whole thing and so I've seen the spectrum on both of that like all the way from they make it and they're functioning today productive members and giving back to the society that they've taken so much from and I go to funerals for a lot of the people that don't make it, that just aren't ready yet. And so what Odyssey House wants to do is we want to be that, we want to heal the whole person so that when they leave, they are able to re-engage in society and not be that one that, that falls before they make it. When you go to a funeral, that has to be the most emotional thing that you do. It's hard. Do you second guess yourself ever? I wish, what could we have done more? What did we fail at? Um, what did, 
they not disclosed to us so that we knew there was other things, you know, there, there was something missing and that they didn't get. And I want to always know what was it, you know, what did we do? You know, how could we have helped more, you know? I don't want to say that we failed, but we just didn't do enough, you know? Is everyone curable? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think cure is the right it. word. Well, no, that, no, and no, it no, isn't. Because the second you're always going to be, I'm always going to be an right, alcoholic. Right, right, right. You're going to always be one. But but you can deal with it. You can treat it. Uh, so it's, what it's I, all I, treatable. It's manageable. Yeah. yeah. And I guess yeah. the reason I asked that question for viewers, again, who aren't familiar with addiction and what it does to people, or maybe they know someone or have a relative, that there is hope out there. And Odyssey House, as wonderful as you are, is one of many places that can help you. Some people go to treatment, some people don't. Some people work in 12-step programs, mm -hmm. which I happen to, AA. And, but there is hope out there. And I guess that was the message, Randall, that I was trying to get Yeah, at. and, and well, I didn't want to let people... I, I, have, a, I have a neighbor who I, I told him long ago when I went into treatment that I said I, I, I've been a functional alcoholic for a long time. And he runs into me, I live in a condo project, and he runs into me when I go to chair an AA meeting, because I'm carrying this bag of cookies and coffee and stuff. <laughs> and after about, I think after about three years, he said, you still go to AA meetings? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, well, how long has it been since you've had a drink? And back then it was like three years. He said, well, you're cured now then, right? You can drink. I go, no, that's, that's not the way it works. And I think people do have a misconception that when you, when you go through a treatment program for drugs or alcohol, that means you're, you use the word cure and you're never cured. You know, if you, if you, if you go out and use that relapse and, and use that drug again or have that drink again, you're going to fall into the same situation you were in before. So, you know, so, so we treat alcoholics and addicts and behavioral health issues. So being with Odyssey House, you perform a lot of functions for them. Can you tell our viewers a little bit more about Odyssey House and what programs you have and, and how you may differ for some? We see a lot of treatments on TV that have their own chef and massage. Odyssey House is a little different. Your chef. <laughs> We have our clients that cook for us. We do have somebody that supervises the kitchen, oversees that process. But our clients, they they do that cooking, and it teaches them a skill. It teaches them how to be a managed, you know, because you have to be manageable to go out into the world and work, and and, and not take from society. So what we want to do is we want to heal that person. We want to give them a marketable skill. We want to teach them that. You know how to handle adversity because life comes at you all the time and it's not always going to go your way and we teach them how to deal with that and first we want to teach them how to um find the the triggers that keep them going back you know because we we keep going back to what numbs whatever it is that we're trying to hide from and so we want to dig down deep and fix that and we want to stabilize the mental health issues and we put them in a community. We have pivot sites where they go and work for, in the private sector. And then they are hireable after graduation. And they are able to have that job that they had while they were here, manage the anxieties and the things that come up in a job while you're still in treatment and you have a therapist and you have groups and you have things like that to kind of help work through some of those things. 
before you are completely out on your own. So whereas maybe some other treatment centers have you inpatient for 30, 60, 90 days, but then you're on your own. Yeah. Whereas Odyssey House, the difference is that you send those people out while they still have the comfort and the, the group to help them through difficult. Because it's, it's never easy. When you first get to Odyssey House, you're in orientation level, which is the first level. And you come in and that really is just trying to get orientated to, to treatment and trying to just get settled in. There's no visits for the first two weeks. You're on a blackout period. And that really lets them stabilize in treatment because if I've seen it where the families come on day three to visit and they're having so much anxiety about all this stuff that's going on in treatment, they leave with the family member. So this two-week period of time gives them a chance to just kind of get their feet stable, stand on their own two feet. And then from there, and they're doing therapy all day, groups all day. And then the next level is the same thing. They have they can now have visits with their families and phone calls. Um, but it really is a chance to get stable in treatment and start to really dig into this stuff. And when you get to the third level, then you are assigned a department or a pivot site, a site that you'll work at. And whether you're in the kitchen or working off-site. So you go to work during the day, and then you come home, and then you have groups at night. So you really start to really manage how are you going to handle life after you know on life's terms and, and kind of have some of these anxieties and how to work through them. Kim, Odyssey House is not a lockdown site. No. Can you talk about that vis-a-vis maybe some other places that people go? Uh, we are not a lockdown facility. We're not. Some of the people there may be court-ordered to treatment, but we don't lock it down. You're free to leave whenever you want. We're not Department of Corrections. If you want lockdown, that's jail and prison. And Odyssey is not that. And we don't want it to appear to be that. We don't want them to feel like they're trapped, like they have nowhere to go. We want it to be their choice to stay so that they feel empowered to want to get well, to get better, and to heal. Because if it's on them, they're more vested to, to change. You know, rather than you have to be here or I want to be here, you know, because I do better when it's on my terms and not yours or somebody else's. I think many people are like that. And the other thing about Odyssey House, Randall, that you pointed out, you were nice enough to take Lee and I on tour a month or so ago, is that the people who are running group most likely have come from an addiction background. Mm -hmm. So they have the skill set combined with the experience to be able to help. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. I... I know when I was in Odyssey House, I I tended to relate better to the therapist that had walked in my path, you know, that I understood what, what addiction is and understand not just go to college, get a degree, and come and do a job. These guys have been in the trenches, and they get it. They understand, and that's who will understand me and, and relate to me better. And so I, I love the fact that we have... So many graduates and so many people that have been in that life and understand what true addiction is and understand what recovery is also. Because you have to be in recovery to work there. And, that, and that's we call it a therapeutic community. And that's one of the aspects of a therapeutic community is you're dealing with peers. Uh, it, you know, I, I can relate, just like Kim said. I mean, if somebody came in and told me the, the evils of drinking... And had never had a drink, but he has a PhD beside his title. I, I you know, I, it, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. But if somebody said, you know, I was, I, I did this for all these years, and I, you know, went through wives and houses, and and this was my bottom, and this is where I'm at now, I could relate a lot more easily. 
you know, and that's sort of our philosophy. You know, Kim's a prime example. If you don't, I mean, she's got a wonderful story of, of, of her past and why she can relate to the, you know, and she relates very well to our clients. They all, they all love Kim, even though she's pretty, I hear she's pretty tough uh, <laughs> when she's supervising a house, but, but, but they can relate because she has a great story to tell. Do you mind sharing? The one, well, the one thing that the clients get from me is they get consistency. And so in in being that consistent person with the concepts and the rules and treating everybody, expecting it the same from everybody, from the first level to the last level, it lets them know. It, I, I feel that that consistency will help them, you know, so at least they know what to expect from me and they understand what those concepts and what's expected right. of them. And I know they don't always like it, but they, they generally get it at yeah. some point. And you started out on drugs I, a long time ago. I um, I started using when I was 12. My I was molested by my brother from the time I was 8 till the time I was 11. And at 11, I finally had enough of a voice to know that this isn't right. This isn't happening for everybody's sibling. You know, this isn't what, this isn't what it always is. And... And I, I stopped that, but then I started using at 12, and the first time I got high was with my brother. So it was a really conflicted thing because he was the one that created all these horrible feelings inside, all this crap and all this, you know, and he was also the one that gave me the stuff that numbed it from the beginning. And what, so, what did you start with? Well, I started, I started drinking, smoking weed, uh, and then I started doing cocaine um, at probably 13 I was using cocaine and I was shooting cocaine at 15 and it just, it took all of it away. It numbed everything. And I just, that I ran with that for so long. I was in treatment for the first time at 19 in a residential treatment center in California in Costa Mesa. And it had a chef and it had a hot tub and it had all these things. <clears throat> worked our, real well, right? <laughs> no. And our, <laughs> I had hooked up with a guy in treatment, um, which is why when I, these people are, Dating and treatment, I tell him this is not going to be good because we relapsed together and he caught a case and we were off and running, you know. But I, um, our, our vocational training was we learned how to make moccasins and how to stamp belts. So you would take the little metal thing and put your name in a leather belt. That's what occupational therapy was. <laughs> so a little bit way different in Costa Mesa, if you've got Costa Mesa, I should say, if you've got your own chef in a hot tub. Maybe that occupational training should have been aimed a little higher. It was a medical detox even. And so when I got to treatment, they pump you full of Thorazine. It, it was an old hospital. So what was the ER? They take all your clothes, give you hospital pajamas, pump you full of Thorazine for three or four days until you're detoxing, throw you in, on the other side in treatment. And, and I was there for... Someone paid for this. My parents paid like 20 grand a month. Wow. Wow. A hundred years ago. And it did not have the desired outcome. No, I was clean long enough to almost get my kid back, um, and then I didn't want him back. My mom, I just left him with my mom because I was getting high again. I just didn't want to. Hmm. I didn't want to. I just, I just wasn't ready. I just didn't want it. So where did your story go from there? Um. Well, so, I, my mom, I had, I got pregnant at fifteen, um, had an abortion, wasn't ready to be a mom at fifteen. Um, Got pregnant again at 16, had a kid at 17, kept him. Um, but I still wasn't ready. Like, I still had so much pain and so much deep-seated trauma that I wasn't ready to be a mom then either. And I gave it, 
I gave it a half-ass shot, and my mom stepped in. My mom had them every weekend for me, um, which just really just let me do what I wanted to do. She really was a huge enabler, but she didn't know it. She didn't even know I was had a drug problem until I went to treatment. And I only went to treatment because I had... I because I was shooting cocaine at the time and I had overdosed so many times and been hospitalized, like ER trips to the ER. And in California, it is against the law to try and commit suicide. And I tried to tell them, I am not trying to die. I, death is not my intent. I am, however, trying to get as high as I possibly can. And sometimes I crossed that line. Like sometimes there was this little threshold and I went over that, but I wasn't trying to die over this. Um, I wanted to live another day to get high again. And they made me go to treatment. They're the ones that pushed me to treatment. They're like, you can go to jail or you can go to treatment. And me trying to be the hard ass that I thought I was, I'm like, take me to jail, I don't care. And they said, no, you're going to treatment. So I got ordered into treatment the first time. So again, it wasn't my choice. It wasn't my doing, you know, but it was a, it was a vacation. As you look back on your life, do you ever wonder at the time if you would, if there had been a program in California like Odyssey House? how you might have reacted differently, how maybe you had come to some, would have come to some life choices then, or were you just simply not ready to, to I, listen? At that time, I wasn't ready to tell anybody about my trauma. I wasn't ready to tell anybody about the things that had happened to me. And without fixing that, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't, nothing else was gonna fix. Like I wasn't gonna be able to get through this without that, without having to, knowing how to handle that, knowing how to deal with that trauma. Because that trauma keeps you going back. It keeps you sick. And if you can't fix that, you, you, you're not, you know, it, it, that wasn't the time for me. So it, it took a long time. And it, and it crept up on me at about 26 is when being molested came back on me really bad. And so that's when I started to really kind of figure that stuff out. And I didn't get clean then, but that's when it really started to... How did you... Come to that realization. Started to come back in nightmares. And I was living here and I had a I was working for Quest and I started having these horrible nightmares. And it was the same nightmare. And I had had this nightmare over the over years, you know, but now it's coming back and it's coming back all the time. And these events, like I'm remembering very specific details of these events. And I thought, who dreams this stuff about their brother? Like, this is insane. So and I didn't want to tell anybody. I had compartmentalized it. So you didn't even think about it. You, it seemed, you were dreaming about real events, mm -hmm. and they seemed like They a seemed dream. like a horrible, sick, like, who thinks these things? Like, what's wrong with me? What's going on in my head? Where am I at to be thinking these things about my brother? And I knew he was different. Like, I knew there was something weird about him, but I didn't, at that time, didn't have all the details put together. And I started doing therapy back then about it. And as the dreams came, because um, at first I thought this is this isn't right. I did a um, a couple support groups, but I was embarrassed to say anything to anybody. And I still hadn't told my parents. But as it became more like known, like all of these memories started to come back. It wasn't until I got into Odyssey House the second time that I really started to dig down deep and was willing to look at it. I was willing to get better. Like I was willing to talk about it and and do whatever it took to get to the other side. How, how did that happen in Odyssey House that they got you to the point that you would share that and embrace the fact that it did happen? Um, 
Because that's one of the things when I talk to clients, they say the thing they hate most, somebody described it once to me. It's like when you go into Odyssey House, it's like looking into a mirror 24 hours a day, and I don't like looking at that mirror, you know. And that's, that's what Odyssey's program is intended to do. Somebody else shared a story that was super similar to mine, and I just broke down. Like, it was just time. It just came out. Wow. I hadn't intended for it to come out. It just did. It just, everywhere. And then at that, that now I have to explain myself. Like, why did I just completely melt? Like, I just, I just, you know what I mean? It just, like, vomited out of me. I was, I didn't think it was that bad. And then I did, um, yeah, I, it just, it, it was months and months. I was 26 months in Odyssey House before I graduated. So... <laughs> That is not a normal incubation period. It used to be. Back then it was normal. Yeah. It was it was the norm. Now it's six to nine months, maybe a year, but now it's it So used all of to a sudden you time. heard something and you had it all came back to you and mm-hmm. did you feel like the other people in your groups and all the people you work with were super supportive of your story? And everyone. Everyone was. And they gave that me a lot of That had to be a great answers. feeling. Well they did and they gave me a lot of the answers like why is it coming back now, you know? Um, when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven, you can't like that's what you do to to protect yourself because you don't have the ability to rationalize this yet. You just know that what you're told is if you tell anybody, you're gonna get in trouble too. You know, and at that age, you don't want to get in trouble. And then when I started getting high, it just it all went away. Like I just it just went away. I didn't think about it. I didn't feel it. Nothing. So it eventually it it, it exploded on me. So th- throughout, uh, you said you went through Odyssey a second time. So you must have had a, you must have left Odyssey the first time so or that, get thrown out. Or I got kicked out. So I went to Odyssey House the beginning, the middle of '04, somewhere. I don't remember the exact date I got in there. I, um, I was a complete. I was such a beast. I refused to UA. They were like, you have to give up. That's what they call a UA. You have to give up. And I'm like, if you. What is it, UA? A drug test. So if okay. you think you're an analysis, okay. So if you think you're woman enough to squeeze a drug test out of me, bring it. You know, but I refused. I never gave him one the whole time because I was dirty. I was. I had it with me, and I was dirty every day. And so finally, and I refused to go to group, and I refused to do anything, and I, you know what I mean? Because I thought great client at Odyssey. Yeah, I was going to say. I thought I don't even no, need to be here. I don't uh, even have drug charges. Like I'm not even supposed to be here. I have a bunch of other, fe- you know, felonies and other. St- but I don't have I don't have drug charges, so this isn't where I need to be. So I just thought if I never give them a drug test, they won't actually know I'm dirty. <laughs> and um, the, the, so they just fall off the turnip truck, so they'd never been around like anyone. This, I was the only one that had ever tried to do like they don't even know. <laughs> like I'm fooling everybody, and it's funny because when the clients do that to me now, I'm like, uh-uh, I wrote that chapter. <laughs> no, no, no. You're you know? not going to be able to do it. No, no, no. That's why we have people like her working with clients. That's perfect. We're going to take a short break. We're getting a chance to talk to Kim about her experience and how she's been with Odyssey House and been clean and sober for 16 years. 14 and a half. 14. I didn't do the math test. August 24, 2004. You know, it was funny. I was doing the math while you were talking, and I completely (laughs) blew that. So that's not a part of being sober. We'll be back after this short break. We are back with Odyssey House Journals, and we've been talking with Kim, who now holds a high position at Odyssey House, but uh, had quite a rugged life. And, and we were talking during the break that there were some other things that you might want to share that 
it wasn't just the being molested by your brother that but through your usage life you suffered some some violent incidents i did i i uh i was i'd been stabbed i'd been mugged a couple times i grew up in southern california um but i grew up in huntington beach so it wasn't a bad part of town but you, you venture out you know and uh, to some of the other neighborhoods, and you know, I I got mugged at a gas station. I got stabbed um, for the, my change from buying a pack of cigarettes, and I I got um, I got shot at in a drive-by. Um, this all have to do with the drug world, or some of uh, it. I mean, well, yeah. So at at the time, so I spent a a good chunk of my using life from the time I was about nineteen until I got here to Utah, well, until I got clean. I, I cooked meth and vitamins. And so a lot of this was the things that happen in that life, that the people that you encounter and the things you come across. Um, and so those were more incidents of, that made you want to numb yourself and continue to numb yourself. Yeah. And then it just became an addiction to the criminal lifestyle yeah. and the money. The so money, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where... Yeah. You do bad things, you run into bad people who make you do more bad things, which... Well, and then if something bad happened to me, I would pay that forward to somebody else that had nothing to do with any of it. But I was angry or, you know, something... But in my mind, I'm like, well, it happened to me, it should happen to you. And so I, I, did, some, I did some crazy stuff to people that had no... They didn't deserve any of it. So in AA, you talk, or in a 12-step program, you talk about making amends. I did. I made social amends. When I first got clean, my sponsor had me out making social amends for the first couple of years. Because, really, I didn't have any way to pay this back to the community. Or, you know, in do so would harm them. At the me, time, you yeah. didn't know you'd be paying back for the rest of your oh, life. No, no, no. But <laughs> but it was it was good for me to, to make that restitution to, to the community. To, to, you know, just to pay that forward. It was... I did some dumb stuff. So But you had some pretty bad stuff done to you. I did. I I, I, I when I was kidnapped, um, that was over drugs. That how was how t- long were you kidnapped for? Ten days. Can you talk a little what was that like? Um Well it was it was uh it, it was probably it was probably worse than being molested. Because I was an adult and I was aware of how wrong it was, um, and they physically hurt me, not just, you know. So I was raped and and other things, you know. Just, I was, it was a horrible time, but it, that kept me numb too for a long time. So if I was high, I didn't feel any of that either. Did you during that ten days? Did you have hope? that you would be able to get out? Or did you think, this is it? This is how my story ends? I didn't even know. I, I, I hoped every day I was going to get out. you know. And I finally had a chance, and I ran. I ran like my like I was on fire. You know? What happened? Tell us the story. I, I, just, I was able, there was just a break in the people that were there. And I, was, I, I took off out, of, out a window. I broke a window and took off. And by the time they were aware that I was gone, I was already in the streets running, you know, like, so, and I got picked up by a car, by a passerby. And I just told them that I had gotten in a fight with my boyfriend and I just needed to go somewhere else. You know, the, the guy that, the, the car that stopped 
So I rather said, than calling the police. I just said that I got in a fight with my boyfriend and I just needed to get out of there. So the victim's me. mentality there where you aren't good enough to get the police to go and arrest these guys that part of the process. That it would come back. I that they know. would get you. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't know. I, I and I didn't want. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to test that water. I didn't want to test that fate. And I have. I. I never pressed any charges. I never said anything to anybody. And I was going to go through Odyssey House without saying anything to anybody either. And it wasn't until one of the guys that kidnapped me came in to their outpatient program. And so I left <laughs> the program for a couple of days. Like I ran out the back door and ran all the way home. Called my therapist and told him I'm never coming back. Because literally one of the people did the worst thing that ever has been done to you walked into that program. I wasn't about to, I wasn't ready to face him. I wasn't ready to have him know where I was at. I was terrified. I cried all the way home for days. Like I didn't come back to Odyssey House for days. And when I did come back, he was gone. He was in a different program, but he was gone. And I don't know what happened to him and I don't want to know. That's stuff I just don't want to know. And these are stories that many addicts have. and Sure. We all have traumas. Females, I, I mean, I, okay, I'm not saying that men don't have traumas, but I know that females suffer a lot of traumas. <laughs> We've been exploited and raped and beaten, and my first husband beat me senseless every day for nothing, for no reason. But he just did because he could. And I took it because I couldn't get away from him. And it wasn't until he went to federal prison that I was even able to make that break, you know, to, to get away from him. But it's all of these things, like our, our lives are just so filled with events that keep us using. And until we can break free from all of that, we can't heal. And so it was all of these things in, in my life that just compiled until the day I went to Odyssey House the second time. So in 2004, mm-hmm. when you went to Odyssey House the second time, no, that was the first time. I Yeah, so I went back to Odyssey House. I was in jail on a violation. And okay. they were deciding, do you go back to prison or do you go back? Where, where are we going to put you? Where are you going to? Where are you headed What now? are we going to do with Kim? Mm-hmm. And so I, um, the Odyssey House, I wrote them a letter and said, will you please take me back? And I don't know why they did, but Odyssey House does that. I didn't know at the time, but I know now because we're all about second chances. You know, if we cut everybody off after the first chance, there wouldn't be a program. But they, they said I could come back, and they, they made very strict rules, like very strict stipulations, like you can't do this, and you have to do this, and the noose is around your neck, as they called it, you know, and if you step wrong one time, you're gone, and you're going back to prison. And the judge made it very clear, too, that he admonishes, this is my last chance, and if you screw this up, you will do some, you will do time. Like, you will go to prison, and you will not come home for a while. So I was like, all right, you know, and I had kids that I needed to suit up, and so... When, when I got arrested out of Odyssey House, my husband brought my kids to me. And my, he's, my 13-year-old at the time says to me, when are we going to matter, Mom? When are we going to be more important to you than them? Like, when are we going to be enough for you? And I thought my husband put him up to that. And I was like, oh, my God, I all kinds of swear words and get out of here. And I don't want to see any of you guys. And how dare you talk to me like that? And I was mad. I went back to my cell and I cried all night. And I thought... When are they going to matter? Like, when do they? When are they going to matter more than everybody else that I had been running and gunning with all this time? When do my kids matter more? And I, and I swore that I was going to make a change. And I called my husband and I said, please bring my kids back. And he was like, nope. And I said, I get it. I got that coming. But bring my kids back. I got something to say. And my kids came down 
the next visiting day and I I promised them that I was going to change. And they were like, we've heard this before. And I said, I get it. I understand all of this. I understand that I don't have any trust built up. But what I asked them is to not walk so far away from me that they can't see the change. And they don't have to be anywhere in this realm. Stay on the outside edge of this. But please don't go so far. You'll see the change. But you can come back to me. Whenever you feel that I've made that change that, I have, that you want to see, then you can come and you can say, I love you and I forgive you. And my daughter, that that very moment, she was like, I love you, Mom. And I, she was five. And so she, my 13-year-old, it took him a couple days, and he said, I forgive you and I love you, Mom. And it took my oldest one three years. So people talk about women's empowerment mm-hmm. a lot. But when you got mm-hmm. sober for the last time, mm-hmm. that was the ultimate empowerment. Absolutely, it was. Because you, at that point, my guess is over the last 14 and a half years, you've not allowed men to take advantage of you. You've not allowed men to dominate and to be Mm -mm. a jerk. So talk about that empowerment. I left my husband. When I got to Odyssey Outpatient, I I was going home every night and I was riding the bus to work every morning, riding the bus from work to treatment, and riding the bus home every night. And my husband was at home getting high in our room with our friends. I moved here with him from California, so all the people we met, we met together. So I didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't have anybody else. So I'm sleeping upstairs on the couch, and I put up with that. And I'm lying in Odyssey telling him, yeah, everything is fine, everything is great. And eventually I just had enough. I would fight with them, try to get my clothes out so I could go to work in the morning, and he's locked in the bedroom with our friends, you know. And I just said, enough is enough. I packed a suitcase and I left. I left the kids. I left everybody there because the kids were mostly living at his parents' house right after that. But I, I had to save myself because if I didn't save me, I wasn't going to be any good to my kids or anybody else, you know. And I went and that's a fundamental core principle of Odyssey House: save yourself. Yeah. And you've probably seen hundreds of examples of mm-hmm. mothers and fathers who, and Randall, you and I've talked about this: people sure. who lost their kids, but still love them very much, and just have to get rid of the addiction component and can mm-hmm. be great parents again. Yeah. I, I see that. I work at the parents program too sometimes and I it's sad to see these people lose their kids, but it's so amazing to see them like get full reunification with their kids and get their kids back in their life. And some of the ones that don't ever get their kids back that go on and have other like start new families understand what that loss is like. And and I hope that that means so much to them that with this new baby they won't do that. Like this baby will mean more because they've had, they've been on both ends of this thing, you know. And so I never lost my kids to the state, and I don't know why, because they should have taken them a couple times. But they how's didn't. your relationship with your kids now? It's good. <laughs> it's good. My she, my daughter is, she's nineteen. Uh, she has a baby of her own. Um, I have twenty. Let's see, nineteen, twenty-seven, and thirty-three, thirty-four. In a healthy relationship with a man. Yeah. Oh, uh, congratulations to him. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and a great and he's, job. He's Odyssey. long-term in recovery, too. He's 16 and a half years in recovery, too. So. Do you, when you meet people who are, have friends, family, whomever, who are pretty terrified parents, let's say parents in the case of they have a son or daughter who's got some real challenges, what are some of the hopeful messages you tell them to let them know that there is hope, that this thing can be treated support them don't enable them be there for them help them process this 
whatever keeps them using, be there to help them. Like work through this because you have to heal the whole person. And, and in healing the whole person, you have to heal the family unit too. So if there's, if the parents are angry because they stole stuff from them, they need to work through that. So the parents let go of that resentment so that the kids can heal. Because if the kids always feel that tension, that keeps them on the outside edge. And so we want the, the parents need to know that they're part of this healing process with these kids, with the family members, whoever they are. What, how do you know if you're a parent when you're enabling support? Uh, how do you make that distinction? It's hard. It's so hard. It's There's a real such fine, a fine line. line. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was at our parents' group last night, and, and they come because they talk to our therapist about have I crossed the line because I did this or that and 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 a lot of and I'm not trying to be sexist but I think mothers seem to be more enabling than fathers because the father seems to get upset first with his kid what his kid is doing and the mother says but I but I but I love Johnny and I you know and 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 in that group and that's another group that is it's another aspect of odyssey that we haven't even talked about but but it's to, it's to empower parents to deal the correct way with their addict children without enabling them uh, and also to learn to get on with their own lives because it screws up i mean it, it I, i'm thinking of one example a, a woman she has a, a heroin addicted son and she had been planning a trip to Italy and for a long time, it was her dream. And um, she said, but I'm in one of the <laughs> in group one night, she said, I'm, I'm going to cancel my trip, even though I paid for it and everything. Oh, and, and our therapist said, why would you do that? And the other parents were saying, why do you why would you do that? And she said, well, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my to my son. And the therapist said, what would you be doing here? I mean, be doing here different than what you would be doing in Italy, except having a good time uh, for your heroin addicted son who doesn't even live at home. He was out on the street. She said, well, he might die. He said, yeah, well, he might die when you're home. Uh, You know, and so that's, so, you know, parents and and spouses and everything of of people dealing with addiction have to, have to be strong themselves and, and need help to do that, you know. And the enabling is when they continue to let them back in the house and they continue to give them money when they, you know, I, I don't have any money and they, you know, they give them money and they go get high. That's the enabling part. And that's the part that the parents need to know that. And the kid will lie and say, I need money for food or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. But so I tell them, feed them, give them food, give them something to eat, but don't give them cash. Like you can still help them without. So if you're a parent right now having all kinds of challenges, how does, how can Odyssey help house help the parents? We have family therapy so that you can you can go to the therapy with the client, so with the family member, and everybody gets better. Everybody heals. Yeah. The parents learn how to what some of the signs are for this addiction so that they know what they're looking for. Because as addicts, we lie, and we're good at it, you know? And so the, they don't even realize how deep this addiction is. And so they can learn some of the warning signs or some of the things to look for. And especially with heroin addicts, we teach them things like, um, naloxone, you know how to use that because if you have a heroin addict in the house, you have to have this so that you can save their life potentially. And Nobody wants to know that your kid may overdose, but it's a reality if you have a heroin addict in the house. And it saves so many lives. Oh, yeah. It is awesome. Yeah, you know, I see commercials on TV now that yeah. the, the company that makes naloxone 
is advertising now, and, and they're right. And we've handed out free that naloxone so kits. Many. Everybody, I mean, everybody should have a naloxone kit because you don't know who you're going to come across, you know. And <laughs> and if if anybody in your family is is taking any kind of like uh, any kind of opioid pain pills, it may not even be to for recreational use, but there could be. I never thought about this until we gave out some free naloxone kits, but we had an elderly couple come in, and I, I looked at them, I said, well, you know, these people can't be drug addicts. And and the woman said, well, my husband is on opioid pain pills, and he sometimes forgets when he's taken the pill. They were in their probably 70s or 80s, and, and I'm just worried that sometime he's going to take too many, and I want naloxone there to, in case he does overdose. So... You know, it makes it's sense for almost everybody to have. Yeah, have yeah. and regardless of how you look at religion, it, if you are a Christian, helping people who are down in their luck is a prime principle a of Christianity. Thing, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, Kim, you have an amazing story. Thank you. And what is wonderful is that you talk about getting sober back in 2004, clean and sober. Mm-hmm. And now it has changed your life demonstrably where you have great relationship with your kids, you're working, you're in a wonderful relationship, and you're helping people both day and night. I would suggest take some time off. <laughs> I take some time off. I, I'm really blessed to be able to. I, like, I get to work. I don't have to work all this extra stuff, but I get to. Like, I get to be part of these lives, and it makes my recovery better to pay this forward to them to be part of their journey. And it's what's made my recovery so strong over all these years. Because even before I worked for Odyssey House full-time, I worked for a law firm, but it wasn't fulfilling, you know. And so when a full-time opportunity opened up, I took that, and I was blessed that I still get to do the part-time part of it, too. And I, I think we should talk to viewers, too. We're not trying to exploit people for their wild stories know. like you have, but, but there are a lot of people who probably don't have as severe a story as Kim does, but who are dealing with this issue. And if she can come from all that and be the successful, wonderful person she is today, the point would be anybody can. I mean, recovery is possible for anyone. And you have to talk to heal. I I know that because I didn't start to really heal until I started to be open to talk about it. And what that did for me is it made me, I went from being a victim, not like poor me victim, but a victim of all these things, these events, to being a survivor of all these things. And being a survivor is empowering. For me it was. For well, me this, it is. Kim, you are I, just kind of an amazing last 45 minutes. Your, your story is tremendously empowering, and I hopefully it can, so our viewers can understand that there are people out there to help your child, your friend, your lover, whomever needs support, and call a number. We're going to put a number up on the screen right now for Odyssey House. And while you guys are at 100% occupancy, they've got some nice people that will answer the call and Absolutely. give you some great advice right. and Absolutely. be able to help you out through your situation. So, Kim, thank you so much. Thank you. And Randall, as usual? It's great. We get to spread the word of recovery, right? <laughs> for Randall Carlisle, I'm Trip Mitchell. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. And again, if you've got some questions, give the call to the number on the screen, and some great people will help you out. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks for watching.